0: You know, to help us understand what Paul is teaching in this passage, I want us to consider a story by Robert Louis Stevenson entitled The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, in Stevenson's story, if you're not familiar with it, Dr. Jekyll was a respectable, well liked, and well to do doctor in his community. But Jekyll struggled with uh, the good and evil urges within himself. And so using his scientific knowledge, he created a potion that would separate the good self from the evil self. However, what happened when he drank the potion was that only his evil self was separated. And the personality that emerged that embodied embodied his evil self went by the name of Mr. Hyde. And Mr. Hyde was a self-centered and violent person who was incapable of feeling remorse for his evil actions. So Mr. Hyde was the evil that was within Dr. Jekyll, which was revealed and magnified by the potion. So every time Dr. Jekyll would drink the potion, Hyde would become stronger and commit more evil. And I was thinking about that story and thinking about how much we have in common with Dr. Jekyll. Even though we don't have a potion that we drink that reveals our evil persona, uh, there's another way that our sinfulness is revealed. In verses 7 through 14 of Romans 7, Paul writes in the past tense. Maybe you picked that up uh, from April's reading. But he writes in the past tense to describe how the law of God revealed and magnified his sinfulness. Look again at verse 7. He says... If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet, if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So, just for example, coveting is desiring what is forbidden. It's the improper desire for what belongs to someone else. So, Paul is saying that He was not aware of the presence or nature of this type of desire until it was revealed by God through His command, you shall not covet. And through this command, His coveting was not only revealed, but magnified. He says in verse 8, But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. So the sin... His sin, his sin nature, used the law to produce what the potion produced for Dr. Jekyll. And there's something about our nature that desires to do what we should not do. Let me just give you a minor example. I had a friend uh, post a picture from a recent visit to England. And in this picture, there was a courtyard of green grass and there was a little sign in the grass that said keep off the grass now you can probably guess what else is in the picture other than the grass and keep off the grass right well you guessed it my friend laying in the grass you know the friend's laying in the grass keep off the grass because there's just something with you know the thing is if that little piece of grass, the little courtyard of grass, would not have had that sign, keep off the grass, it would have never made the picture. They would have never wanted to lay in the grass, but there was something about it. Keep off the grass. I want to get in the grass, you know. And so that's, they take a picture of themselves in the grass. That may be a minor thing, but what it shows is that, you know, this law, this prohibition, you know, that don't do this, it's something in us wants to do it. Something wants us to rebel against uh, what we should not do Now what what I want you to see though is the effect that Paul is saying that the law of God had on him is this type of effect that the law of God did not create our sinfulness or create our ungodliness but it just simply showed us what is there and revealed it and even magnified it for us to see So the law reveals our ungodliness it's like Dr. Jekyll's potion, you know, it's, it reveals and, and magnifies the evil within. You know, in the story, Dr. Jekyll, he drinks the potion several times and voluntarily turns into Mr. Hyde. As you read the story, he, he just voluntarily does it. But each time he does it, Hyde grows stronger and does more evil until one day, Dr. Jekyll involuntarily becomes Mr. Hyde. And what happens, and you'll have to read the story to get more of the details, but eventually Mr. Hyde becomes so strong that he destroys Dr. Jekyll. And my point is that you know, apart from the saving grace of God, and I think this is what we see here in the passage, apart from the saving grace of God, this is what Paul says happens to us. Look at verse 11 again. He says, For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. You know, the sin nature is our Mr. Hyde, so to speak. And without divine help, it will overcome and destroy us. So Paul uses this. It's interesting, though, and it's important to note that Paul uses the past tense to describe this experience. In verses 7 through 14, he uses the past tense to describe his spiritual reality before he experienced the saving grace of God Through faith in Jesus Christ. And for some of you. Thankfully you can use the past tense too. right? That was true of me. Apart from Christ. But there may be some of you in here. That you actually may have to use the present tense. That instead of saying. That was true of me. You may have to say. This is true of me. That this is my current reality. And if that's true of you. Then I want to encourage you. To give your life to Christ. Because. What Paul tells us here is that it's only through Christ that we can receive new life. It's only through Christ that we can receive a relationship with God, have our sin forgiven, and become the person God wants us to be. So in order to break free of that type of bondage, that type of slavery, of sin that Paul's talking about, you need to come to Christ and follow Him. And this is what Paul did. And that's why he could speak in the past tense. This was true of me. This was the struggle. This was my reality. But now as we move into verses 15 through 25, I want want to warn you of of two ditches that we can steer our lives as Christians into uh, if we're not careful. The first ditch is the belief that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, then you will no longer struggle with temptation and sin. And if you allow yourself to fall into that ditch, then your life will be characterized by discouragement and failure. Because what will happen is, you'll place your faith in Jesus, and then you'll realize you still struggle with temptation and sin. And then you'll start saying things to yourself like this. You'll say, you know, what kind of Christian am I if I still struggle with these temptations and and this sin? Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe something's just wrong with me. And if that's you, then you're in the ditch. And you're not going to experience the life that God offers you in Christ if you have that type of belief, if you're in that ditch. Because you've put too much confidence in yourself and you failed to realize the progression of redemption. And this is what I mean by that. When you place your faith in Christ, God forgives you of your sin. He gives you new life. He gives you His Spirit. You are His. However, just because you are a Christian and you are in Christ does not mean that you have received all that that entails, all that you have coming to you in Christ as of yet. Okay? Meaning, you have received new life. You are a son and daughter of God. You have been forgiven. You have God's Spirit. You have this new life. But there are some things that you don't have yet. That you will have later. And so we are saved. And yet there are aspects of our salvation. That we won't experience. Until the second coming of Jesus Christ. And because of this progression of redemption. We live in what has been called the already. And not yet. Meaning we are already saved. And yet we are not what we will be. Fully yet you know if we were to borrow you know stevenson's title we would call our story you know the strange case of the christian and the sinner it's like what martin luther talked about there's yes we are in christ we are forgiven we are new in him and yet at the same time we still struggle with our old self our old nature we are simultaneously in christ and yet we still struggle with temptation and sin and so believing that you'll be free from temptation and sin is to try to claim something for yourself that has not yet been fully given. We have not been freed from temptation yet. And we still have the capacity to sin, even though we are in Christ. And so the, st- the struggle continues, but it's not in the same way that it was present before we came to Christ. Because Paul says before you come to Christ, you know, you're by yourself and sin wins. There's no fighting sin in and of yourself. It'll be like Mr. Hyde, continue to grow stronger until it'll continue to destroy you and ultimately will destroy you. But now that we are in Christ, we have this new self. We are in a relationship with God and so we're no longer in the bondage of sin we're no longer slaves of sin. We've been freed to sin, which means our will has been liberated. And now we are free to choose to follow Christ. Listen to what Paul writes in verses 22 and 23. He says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. I want you to notice the language. Look at verse 23. He says this. He says, Our relationship with temptation and sin now that we're in Christ is still war. I mean, we're waging war. There is something going on within that can be characterized as a war raging in our hearts. You know, it's a battle for decisions. It's a battle for uh, your marriages. It's a battle for your children. It's a battle for your integrity. It's a battle for how we'll use what God has given us. It's a war. So, yes, we've received new life in Christ. The old has come. I mean, the old is gone. The new has come. But the struggle is not over for the Christian on this side of heaven. I mean, we still are going to have this struggle within. And so, if you think, this kind of going back to the, the ditch uh, analogy, if you, if you believe that becoming a Christian is going to free you from temptation and sin, Completely, uh, then you're going to be in that ditch, and there's just no way you're going to experience the life that God offers in Christ because this type of belief is not taking into account the progression of redemption. Now, before I tell you to get out of that ditch, I want to tell you about the other ditch. You know, usually in a road, there's two ditches. That's one of them. Here's the other one the other ditch is the belief that. If you place your faith in Jesus, then it really doesn't matter what you do with your life. In other words, you know, well, Ron, you know, since I'm not going to be free from temptation and sin, it really doesn't matter what I do. So I might as well just do whatever I want. God's going to forgive me anyway. So why should I even resist temptation and seek to live life God's way? And I would say, you know, the reason we should continue to wage war against the residue of Mr. Hyde is because God cares about what you do with your life. I mean, He loves you and He cares about what you do with your life. You know, God has given us an opportunity to experience the full and meaningful life on this side of heaven. He's given us an opportunity to be a blessing to those around us. He's given us the opportunity to be involved with Him in what He's doing around the world because God loves the world and He loves you. And He doesn't want you to wait until you die to experience new life in Christ. He wants you to experience that right now. And this life that He offers is worth the struggle. The mission of God is worth the struggle. This relationship with God is worth the struggle. And this is why we wage war against the residue of the flesh that continues to try to take over our lives. So if you allow yourself to to give up on the pursuit of holiness because you'll never be free from temptation uh, then you'll end up in this ditch and in this ditch you will not experience the life that God offers you in Christ you're not going to experience that if you're in this ditch with this wrong belief so if you find yourself in one of these two ditches okay thinking that you'll be completely free from temptation or you know why bother I'll just live however I want if you find yourself in one of those two ditches and you want to get back on the path that God has for you How do you do it? Well, Paul tells us in verse 24 and verse 25, he says this. He says, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do we get out of the ditches? Well, the way we get out of the ditch is we turn from focusing on ourselves to focusing on Christ. Because Christ is the only one who will help us. Stay on the path that God has for us. He's the only one that will help us overcome the sin in our lives. So the question is, are you in in one of those ditches? Are you struggling with the temptation and sin? And you think that, you know, I'm just abnormal. Christians don't struggle with these things. You know, Christians don't do these things. Well, Christians struggle. Okay? It's a battle. It's a war. That's what Paul says. This is a war going on. This is a... Uh, fight for every day, every decision to pursue holiness rather than to give in to the flesh. Listen to what he says in verse 15. Paul understood this. And notice this. Verses 7 through 14, Paul writes in the past tense. This was true of me. But starting in verse 15, Paul begins to use the present tense. This is the way it is in my life. This is what I'm seeing in my life. And this is what he says in verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. And maybe some of you have said that before. (laughs) I just don't understand why I keep keep doing this or going back to this or why am I tempted like this. He says, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. See, Paul understood what it was like to struggle with temptation and sin as a Christian. And he also knew what it was like to wage war against temptation and the flesh and the power of ...of the Holy Spirit, which he's going to unpack even more in the next chapter. And here's the thing. If you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, if you follow Jesus... ...you know what it's like to struggle. You know what it's like to have that temptation in your life. You know that. It is a struggle. It is a battle. The Christian life is a war. And you can't do it on your own. See, Dr. Jekyll's downfall... Is he tried to handle Mr. Hyde on his own. And he shut everybody else out. And that led to his demise. But in my experience, and from what I read in the New Testament, divine help is what is necessary for us to pursue God's path for us. And pursue the life that He's given us in Christ. And divine help comes in at least three main ways. Okay? And these are ways that God offers us help to pursue holiness, to pursue His will. First, God gives us His Holy Spirit. God gives every believer in Jesus His Holy Spirit to help them live for Him. So when faced with temptation, we should pray to God and ask Him for help to fill us with His Spirit to help us to resist temptation and pursue what is right. Second, God gives us His Word. You know the Bible is living and active, and the Bible tells us that it is the sword, it is the weapon that the Spirit of God uses to fight against temptation in our lives. And so, just think about your own life. If there's something in your life that you're struggling with, <laughs> I don't even know if I should say it that way. <laughs> if there's something in your life that you're struggling with, yeah, uh, well, we're already in the ditch. You are struggling. That's the thing. We all struggle. So the question is, well, what is it that I'm struggling with right now? What am I being tempted with right now? And then think about, okay, what does the Scripture have to say about that? What does God have to say about this uh, decision? Which way does He want me to go? And maybe what you need to do is memorize some Scripture. Revisit those passages. That will give you strength to fight against the flesh. The third way God gives us help is through His church. Because the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. We need one another if we're going to resist temptation and pursue holiness. That was Dr. Jekyll's downfall. You read the story, he shuts everybody out. He doesn't ask for help. And he fails. And that's going to be true of you. And what I see is, when we start, as Christians, when we start dealing with temptation, and even we find ourselves even in sin, our tendency is to withdraw from the church. And withdraw from people who are seeking the Lord. And that's the very time that we need to press in even more. And ask for help. Ask for prayer. Immerse ourselves in community. Because that's, where, that's how God helps us. He helps us through His people to become who He wants us to be. And so these are three ways that God gives us divine help to help us resist temptation and pursue the life He intends us to experience. And so I just wonder for you... Is there one of those avenues of help that you need to give attention to? You know, maybe it's just asking God to fill you with his Holy Spirit to guide you. Maybe it's going to his word and and picking up that weapon, handing it to God's spirit so he can fight your battle for you. Or maybe it's to get more involved with the people of God so that they can pray for you, encourage you, challenge you. To seek God's will and to become who God wants you to be. Listen, the Christian life is a struggle. I mean, it's a battle. And you do not want to be in it by yourself. uh, Because you will not succeed in, in achieving and becoming all that God wants you to be. Unless we depend on divine help. And that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And so you see in this passage, Paul tells us three things. He tells us one The law reveals our ungodliness and our need for Christ. We can't do it on our own. Second, he tells us that the Christian life is a struggle. We're in this already, not yet, and it is a struggle. But we are not slaves to sin. We have been freed, and through divine help, we can pursue the life God has for us. And then third, he tells us our only hope is in Jesus. Our only hope is in Christ. And so I hope this morning that's where your hope is. Because today you're going to struggle. There's going to be a battle that goes on even today. And so let's access the help that God gives us and seek to become the people God wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this scripture that speaks to our condition. Uh, that we are in you. We are, we are your family. We are your people. Uh, we have been forgiven. We have a new nature. We are filled with your Holy Spirit. We have your word. We are among your people. But at the same time, we struggle. It is a battle. Temptations come to us throughout the day. Uh, Lord, we just pray as those come our way that we would not depend on our own effort, but that we would seek your divine help through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through your people, so that we may choose righteousness, that we may pursue holiness, God, because you care about us, you love us, you care about how we live our lives, You care about the people around us and how we treat them. And you care about your mission and how you're making your your name known throughout the world through your people. God, help us to care about what you care about and pursue the life that you want us to pursue. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.